Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So happy you could join me. I am your host, Mark, and thanks for joining me again for this week. So we'll kick things off like we normally do, talking about our favorite newest topic, uh, COVID-19. So again, not a lot of going on there as far as the standard. We haven't seen it as of the time that I'm recording here. Haven't seen it yet for the ETS. Continue to wait and see and cross our fingers that we'll understand and be able to comply. But in the meantime, I hope you have been looking at how are we protecting our people? Because sometimes the best method of protection is some self-governance, doing your due diligence. And that's something we've been talking about and having to deal with in the safety world for since this began is what is recordability look like for COVID? What should you be doing to trace it, to understand it, to do your best that you can to prevent it in your workplace? What are we doing? How are we getting involved? And one of those methods has improved. We've seen some improvement in With testing, whether it be mail-in testing or like fast turnaround FedEx testing that you can have readily available to over-the-counter testing that is becoming more readily available and quicker. And how are we using that? Are you using that? I think that's the biggest question. I've seen it really evolve as I have been, one, working toward employee safety in different organizations and also seeing it from the contract side as visiting locations. Uh, As far as temperature checks, that has began something that was very important, very adamant, a lot of usage of the temperature check. And and then it began to change a little bit where it was more of the questionnaire. And then it was basically if you could prove that you're vaccinated, you bypassed all of it. Or if you had a negative test, you could bypass some of it. And now there are still places that have the the screening systems or have someone temperature taking. Very interesting. And I think a lot of it has been, from my standpoint, inconsistent. And that's something I wanted to kind of jump in on is I actually was in my vehicle and I was just commuting to a normal location and on a local radio station, and maybe these are around the nation, but the local radio station actually had advertisement for a thermometer saying that you needed the the best thermometer. You needed an accurate thermometer to test for COVID-19 in your home. 
And I began to think about, yeah, early on when this hit and we were looking and couldn't find thermometers, there were places that were getting them and you could find them and buy them. And finally, they started showing up, but the accuracy was pretty poor. Some of them were up to plus minus two degrees Fahrenheit, uh, even higher at times if you looked at the real specs behind it. And when you're talking two to three, four degrees Fahrenheit accuracy, plus or minus, you could miss a fever or create a fever that wasn't there. And you look at the at-home testing, and it, it very good at catching COVID. But the false positive rate is pretty high. You don't have a lot of the false negatives. You have a lot of false positives. It will detect something uh, and show a positive, potentially, that may not be COVID, but to show something there. And then you have to go get further testing and valuation based on that. I actually had one situation where someone who was vaccinated had come back with a positive test of these at-home tests that he was having to take at a location, went to a physician's office, had a a different style of test because there are different styles of tests. I don't want to deep dive that because that's more complicated than I care to even talk about right now. (laughs) I I can't even do it myself, talk about that detail. But nonetheless, went and had a different style of test, came back negative, showed his vaccination card, and was able to work. Uh, Just a huge delay because of it, and a lot of headache, a lot of extra work involved. And so we talk about these COVID protocols. We want these layers of protection, no doubt. We don't want to think that we have created anyone that could get sick at work or have a significant medical condition because of something we didn't or did do that we could have prevented. And that's our whole mantra. It's what we do as leaders. It's what we do as safety people. We look at how we are protecting our people. And so these layers of protection are so important as we go through this whole COVID protocol. And something I've had to look at is that accuracy. So I'm going back to my original point. I got lost there for a second. Is So I heard this advertisement and I got to thinking about, okay, well, let's look at some of our temperature taking devices that we've had, could be using, and would be using the accuracy can be pretty significant and could be causing some issues. And even if you do have a good device, uh, some of those have to be sent out for calibration or have to be calibrated ever so often if you're using a a really expensive one, which is still hard to find, hard to get your hands on. And then you look at, okay, maybe we're doing testing. Maybe we want to do on-site testing for those that are not vaccinated or even if they are vaccinated. And then a lot of it is on the honor system of, okay, are you filling out your paperwork to say you don't have any symptoms? Are all of that true? Are you filling it out accurately to demonstrate it? And I think a lot of the accuracy comes from the idea and a lot of the honesty comes from how trusting they are of our organization and how trusting they are of our protocols that are we really making sure that they get the time off if they need it, if they're not feeling well? Are we protecting them from that aspect? We're going to ask the question, but is there a punishment for telling the truth? And that happens sometimes in the safety world, that there's the whole, we want you to tell us everything, but as soon as you tell us everything, we turn around and punish you for telling us everything because you did something wrong or we think you've done something wrong. 
And so what is your organization's openness toward COVID? And has it waned since it's continued on? I mean, 18 plus months of, of having me prepared because it's been that long now. It's been a while since we've been in the situation of really having to monitor it and the, the different variations. And so I'm curious. I have seen it up and down. I have seen some inconsistencies as different organizations are handling the methodology of these layers of protection. And how is that being managed? Are we keeping our people safe? Are we still as open as we were to, hey, if you have any of these symptoms, stay home, call in, take the time off, go see a doctor, get a test. Are we still really promoting it as strong as we have? Have we started looking at other methods of how are we taking care of our team? Or what are we doing if they are saying, yeah, I have these symptoms. What are we doing about it? Are we making them feel safe, not only from the safety standpoint of COVID, but do they feel safe enough in our organization to tell us the truth about how they feel? And is that adversely affecting their work? Interesting questions. And it all started with a commercial on the radio about the accuracy of your thermometer, because that leads down such a road of what are these layers? How are we doing it now? What is the methodology? Because there's been breakthrough cases with with vaccinated people, and vaccinated people can be carriers. So what about the unvaccinated? And then we go into the whole, how are you handling that? Are you mandating vaccinations? Are we just waiting to see? So many unknowns. Anyway, we'll switch topics when we come back in just a minute. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. And welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So the second half this week... Flipping through the news, I always like to try to relate the second half message to whatever's happening out there in the news. I I really want to stay up to date on what's happening and share that. And this week was, and actually last couple of weeks, the, the news feed was a little bit dry, not a lot of information. And also, it's also a little sad when you think of it that way, because some of it was just basic headlines with no real information of worker trapped in machine and killed under investigation worker amputated, under investigation. And I've, I've expressed my displeasure with that in the past of that it seems like just such routine news reporting for something that is so tragic and something that should not be happening that someone could go to work and not come back home. And the impact that has to the workers around them, the organization, their family, their friends, it's huge. 
And it's also very hard to manage from a safety professional standpoint and a leader standpoint. If you're trying to do the right thing and you're working very hard to do the right thing, you can do so much and there could be human choice. There could be other items that get in the way because there are fatality investigations at work that receive zero OSHA citations at times. And so it shows that something else out there is happening And my mind started to really roll around that is one that's tragic. And one of the biggest opportunities as leaders that we have is to continually humanize our safety metrics, because if it's not measured, it can't be managed. I've heard that so much in my career. And we look at safety, delivery, quality, and cost. Safety is more than just a metric. It's a human being. It is another person. And I think about the complexity of that metric. Quality metrics can be complex statistically, but they can be managed. Cost, absolutely. Delivery, same thing. But let's think about the complexity of that safety metric. Let's think about one single person. Think about yourself. Think about the complexity of your work life. Think about the complexity of your home life and all the ups and downs and all the time that your mind wanders and all the worries, joys, happiness, concerns, sadness, and all the emotions that roll through you every day. Now think about your best friend, someone you know extremely well. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a partner. Maybe it's just a really good friend. Think about how well you know them. And think about their ups and downs, their happiness, their joys, the situation they're in in their life right now. There's two data points for you of complexity of the human person. And now multiply it by your organization. Is it 100 people? Is it 20 people? Is it 10,000 people across the globe? All of those complexities intertwined into your workplace. And there's your human metric. And it is complex. It is unfathomably complex. And I think that's what makes the safety profession so interesting, but also so difficult is that complexity. It's hard. You can't quantify it. You can't predict it every time because the human factor is there. And I made up a quick example. This, my mind started rolling through as I read those articles and really didn't get a lot of information from them. But let's take, for example, a manufacturing environment. Let's say you work 48 weeks of the year with your vacation, holidays, four weeks off. But 48 weeks of the year, you work 40 hours a week. That's around 2,000 hours a year, something like that. And let's say you can make your part, your tech time, your part manufacturing. You're going to make one part every minute of that eight-hour workday, of that 48 weeks that you're working throughout the year. So around 100,000, so just just shy of 120,000 parts you're going to manufacture. Let's say you found a shortcut that has some risk to it. It could be an amputation risk. Maybe it's a full pull you into the machine risk, but you have successfully done it for a year or you've known someone who has done it for a year, someone who's seasoned. They have made that mistake. They've made that error. They've made that risk 100,000 times. So if I were to ask you, if you had a chance of getting a bruise or a scratch, but it made your work easier, one, and you'd only get this scratch or this injury 
one time, potentially, out of every 100,000, would you accept that risk? What if I told you it was an amputation, and a finger, or a hand? One in 100,000, would you do it? What about fatality? What if it was one in 100,000? You've been able to do it successfully for the entire year, 100,000 times, and not be injured, not be hurt, and not see anyone else around you, or maybe someone on another shift hurt. Would you be willing to take that risk? Is that risk worth it to you? Well, let's say you now know someone who has worked in the workplace, done that job for 10 years, one in a million, never been hurt. But any chance in that one in a million could do it. Is it worth it? That is the difficulty that we work with. And it's big numbers and it's big statistics, but it only takes one. It could be the one time. You may be one for one. It may be the first time you saw someone do it for 10 years. They've made it a million parts. They've taken the same shortcut every time. Never hurt. Never injured. No fatality. It could be that new worker that walks in, does it very for the very first time. Maybe it's the fifth time. Maybe it's the 100th part they've made. And it could be fatal. How did you, did we witness the shortcut? How did we stop this shortcut? How did we motivate against that shortcut? No silver bullet. It has to be something that we talk about. We embed into our process and we verify frequently to make sure that our team is safe. And it's hard to do when you talk about those kinds of numbers of, well, you know, I, I take the risk. It's one in a million, but it makes my job feel easier. It makes me more productive. And I am, I'm, I'm rewarded for better productivity than I am safety. I'm only, safety only gets involved when I do something wrong and they catch me and then I get in trouble. But did we congratulate them for that one in a hundred that they did it safely without that shortcut? Did we congratulate, hey, I noticed you did all of that right to it. You, you did it exactly right. And we rewarded you because we saw that it was right. We patted you on the back and said, please keep doing it safely. Don't take that shortcut. Are we finding the people who have that, maybe they have really fantastic productivity and we want to benchmark their productivity and we found out they're taking some safety shortcuts. Do we stop them or do we turn our blind eye to it? Hope you're not turning the blind eye, but it happens. I've heard of it, seen it, and we have to combat that. So we're going into the Halloween. I'm going to switch topics here. I'm going to go to something a little bit, a little bit brighter. So Halloween is right upon us here as I'm recording this. I know I'm kind of the uncool dad. Make your kids wear a little bit of reflective gear, glow stick, flashlight, make sure they're seen. If you're out traveling, be careful. There's going to be little goblins running around wanting some candy. If you're taking some children trick-or-treating, please give them some light, put some reflection on them, let them be seen, keep them on the sidewalk, make sure we're able to keep them safe as they're having such a wonderful time gathering candy and getting sugared up. But yeah, I'm the uncool dad, but that's okay. Uh, definitely want to keep them safe as they're out there. Until next time we chat, stay safe.
Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.